1: is Corey Woodruff. Thanks for being on the show this morning, Corey.
0: Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, honored to have you on the show. Corey has an amazing story that I know is going to be motivational uh, and inspiring to you as a listener. I think he's going to have some steps too that he's going to share that just is going to help you to get to where he has gotten quickly and at a young age, I think, uh, you know as well. He's done very well. So a little about Corey. He's the president and CEO of CMH Capital. Yeah, also, after investing in mobile home parks on the side for four years, he was able to leave his six-figure job at the age of 30. He now owns over 700 lots with 400 lots set to close in two months. So... Corey, congratulations again just on making this happen. And I look forward to diving into stories like this because that's what so many of the listeners are striving for, right? When they can leave that day job, how do we get there? What are some steps that, you know, this person or that person or or Corey took to make that happen? I, I mean, I remember the struggle for years, you know, for my family and I, while working full-time, doing a full-time real estate business at the same time, it's not easy. And I never try to act like it was easy, you know, but I look forward to hearing your story. Give us a little more about, you know, who Corey is and, and, you know, CMH Capital, what you all are doing and, and how you got there.
0: Like you were mentioning just recently over the last, I believe it was about uh, two months ago, I left my six-figure job. And basically throughout working, obviously my days off were spent calling mobile home parks, going and, uh, you know, doing due diligence and, and finding these parks and raising capital for them. So I ended up leaving the job. And now CMH Capital has an office space near my home in Ohio and we have three callers working for us where you know they have, we have the software systems in place to where they're calling about 500 people a week. All of our deals have been off market so they're calling these people, you know, 7 days a week and even myself is still calling. Then obviously I'm analyzing them and you know making the offers and, and we're putting in about 20 million in offers a week. Offers don't mean much until they're under contract, but that's kind of where we're at right now. 500 calls with about you know, 15 to 20 million
1: on offers a week. Wow. I'm glad you started with that just to tell us the level of commitment and the, the level of just effort, you know, that's being put in right now to make this happen. You know, calling 500 people a week, you know, $20 million in offers every week. What that tells me is that you've built some really good systems you know, and and built a team as well to make this happen. I'd like to back up a little bit, though, and talk about how you started to make this happen while working full time, and then how you got past the the, decision of leaving this job, you know, as well. And then, you know, maybe we can talk about some of those systems too. But, you know, let's back up to you're still working full time, you know, why mobile home parks? And how did you start to purchase the first few deals? Or, you know, what gave you the confidence to do that while also working full time?
0: Yeah, so I was lucky enough, fortunate enough to be very good at my job. So I saved up a lot of money, 40 grand or 50 grand or so. And I went to a mobile home park close to my hometown and just told the guy, he said, hey, you have these 10 abandoned homes. I'm going to buy them from you and I'll fix them up and we'll rent, I'll rent them out. And it's good for you, good for me. And he's like, no, 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 you just just buy the whole park. He's like, I'm 80 years old. I don't have time for that. So I told him, I said, hey, I don't have good credit. I don't have enough money to put down and said, you know, what do you have? So he ended up seller financing the deal for me for 40 grand down. And that was, that was before I knew about investor money. So when I told my spouse, I said, Hey, you know, we're going to have this deal for five years. We're going to refinance it and then we'll take that money and buy another deal. But then I just started to meet people and connect with people at associations. And then I kind of started to learn the way of, I noticed that all these people are looking for deals. None of them said, hey, do you know anyone that has money to buy a mobile home park? They were all saying, hey, this is what I'm looking for. If you see anything like this out there, give me a call. And I, and, you know, obviously it was an aha moment for me. I, you know, I'm definitely not a pioneer doing this, but it was kind of, I seen the problem is not lack of money. It was lack of deals of good deals. You know, I'd started just hand dialing on my time off from work.
1: Nice. Okay, so you saw, and I wanted to back up a little bit too. Was there a desire then, you know, for like, like, was Corey desiring to be a full-time real estate investor at that time and be, you know, devoted to mobile home parks or to that asset class? What caused you to even want to make this transition or to want to get into real estate?
0: Yeah, like I said, I mean, uh, when I bought my first mobile home park, I didn't know what due diligence was. I didn't do a phase one. I didn't do a survey. I did nothing. I didn't even know. I just knew that I needed to put my money in something. So. I didn't really know that mobile home parks were going to be a big thing for me. I just knew that it seemed like a good deal. And then obviously, once I put it under contract, I started you know researching Frank and Dave and those guys. So I didn't really know exactly. But once I got into it, I realized that I did have a knack for it. And it was something that I enjoyed doing, which is important. You
1: knew you needed to invest your money somewhere, and this seemed like a good option. And it just started to snowball, it sounds like. Uh, The more you learned, the more people you met in the business. What about just managing your time? You know, let's say you're a couple years into it, uh, of that four years before, you know, maybe a couple years before leaving your day job. Just how did you manage your time while also, you know, having a family and, uh, you know, and a day job as well?
0: The family life was kind of put on the back burner, but my fiance, she understood. And I was the president of sales for the organization that I worked for. So my job was overseeing everybody. So as long as it's a, it was a sales job, basically timeshare sales. So as long as you know the numbers were good, they were okay with me doing what I did, which was on my free time at work, I was calling mobile home parks. I got a lot of stuff done while I was at work. And then I noticed that if I showed up to work three hours early, most of my management stuff was done before anybody else started, you know looking around at the other managers when they're on their time off you know they 're scrolling through Facebook and watching the news. I just decided to use that time to you know further my business
1: nice, so you went to work three hours early I just like to Hammer on that a minute, you know, just because it's it's that extraordinary effort, right, that gains the extraordinary results, and that's where what most people are not willing to do. But you you did it. And so what about you know when it's time to actually leave that job? I mean, you have a very high income compared to most. You know what what was that thought process? Probably maybe there was family or friends that were saying, Corey, you're crazy. What did that look like?
0: I had a lot of people tell me that I was nuts because I do come from a very poor family. So for them, telling them that I'm leaving a job that they would give their right arm to have was kind of a crazy idea. And the the, the sad thing was, is I actually really loved my job. So it was fun to me, but I just knew that taking the $175 a year as a pay was actually holding me back much more than 175000 you know, a year. And I knew that. And, you know, it was a scary move. But once I got into it, and I left and I started the call center, I knew it was the right move for me. The
1: opportunity loss was going to be much greater, right? Than I'm what still you waiting lose. for
0: this extra free time that I thought I would have. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I haven't found that quite yet. So
1: yeah, no, you will. You will. Tell me, now you've left the job. Maybe tell us about some of the changes that have taken. Or i tell you what, let's back up. What are some ways that the listener could do now that you did to get those first couple deals done, you know, and actually start to see that light at the end of the tunnel? You know, what are some things that you did that were crucial to make it happen for you to get to that point where you can leave your job?
0: Yeah. So number one, you become a student of the game. You go to association shows, you look at forums. You watch podcasts like this. You read the books from Frank and David and also others. So you become a student of the game. But then, you know, the secret, there is no magic secret. It's just right here in this phone. So the more you dial it, the more deals you're going to get. So I think that a lot of people, they call somebody and they say, oh, you know, I'm not interested in selling. And they click and they never follow up. So that's the biggest difference between CMH Capital and most others is that the follow-up is the most crucial thing in the world because you don't know what life situation is going to happen, you know, two months down the road, right after you called them. And I know that every person that is big into mobile home parks or apartments has called somebody, they said no, and then they followed up with them two years later, and they said, oh, we sold it last month. So follow-up is is extremely uh, extremely crucial, but also not giving yourself an excuse. So I worked a full time job. And again, I come into work three hours early in order to get things done. So making sure that you're not making excuses for yourself is important as well.
1: Very much so. Let's talk about some of those systems that you had in place, and you know how you were able to accomplish all that. I know you, you know you're, you got a flexible some flexible hours at work, but you know also you got to work three hours early, which I, I just think is crucial to know that you you were willing to put in that time and the effort. But what are some systems that you had to get in place because you can't get it all done typically by yourself and growing that fast and making this transition? Tell us about some of the systems that you did.
0: Yeah, so up until recently when we actually opened up CMH Capital, we were calling off Excel spreadsheets, to be honest with you. And, you know, I was fortunate because a lot of the people that worked for me, they had kind of seen me grow and develop. So they said, you know, hey, how much money do I need to get to invest? And I tell them the same thing I tell everybody. You don't need anything, you just need to find deals. So, you know, they would call off my list as well. And then, you know, we we use Monday now. So when when they get a prospective seller, we'll put it in Monday. And then I'll analyze it and categorize it where I feel like it needs to be.
1: Nice. Okay. So when did you hire your first person?
0: Basically right out of the gate. As soon as I left my job, I opened up my office and hired three callers. It was a tough pill to swallow, but I actually just hired a full-time operations guy. So I kind of felt like I could do it on my own, but it's, uh, it's too much with uh, how many parks I have now. So we just hired a full-time operations guy. So that's exciting.
1: So, those three people, all they're doing is phone calling. Is that right?
0: Yeah. Their job is to get the yes and, you know, get the high level details of the park. And then it goes off to me and they keep calling.
1: How do you track their productivity and their success?
0: Our calling software is able to say, hey, they've talked to this many people. This is how many, you know, yeses they've gotten or interested in selling. And then I'm also able to kind of see in Monday how many deals they're putting in. But for the most part, I mean, when we're calling parks that are, you know, 200 spaces and above, we say, oh, you know, we'll, we'll use bigger words like acquisitions team, analyst team, our president and CEO, Corey Woodruff. And then, you know, really build the credibility of our company because the biggest thing is spaces and above parks, as you know, are getting calls every single week, every day. So standing out is, uh, is extremely important and, and we use bigger words with those parks.
1: That's an interesting thought because you have a maybe a sales background, right? And so, you know, you understand some of that probably better than some others. Talk about that just a little bit more, maybe about how you prepare them for that phone call because that's hard, especially if they're not, you know, in the real estate business or industry in the past, you know, in any way. How else do you help them to think through how they handle that phone call with different individuals?
0: Yeah. So I, uh, you know, it's the same thing in sales. I mean, I've watched a lot of people where they were good when they first started and then they just overcomplicate the process too much. So we have two pitches when we call, it's like, Hey, when you get somebody, when you call, they answer and they say, hello, you know, and you can just tell it's a mom and pop owner. So, you know, those people, we just say, Hey, Corey, our partner and I, we own a few parks around the area and we're really interested in yours. You know, do you have any interest in selling? And then if they say, no, we're just trying to get a time frame of when they are interested in selling so that we can follow up with them. But then, you know, whenever we're calling the bigger parks, that's when we're talking to them saying, hey, I'm calling today. I'm just the caller. I'm calling to see if you have interest in selling your mobile home park. And if they say yes, we'll say, okay, great. Well, you know, this is what we need to make an offer, your PL and your rent roll. Do you feel comfortable sending that over to me? And a lot of times they don't want to. So we say, hey, our president and CEO is more than happy to kind of do a trade where we'll provide proof of funds so you know we're serious. We'll send you over our parks that we manage and we own. And then then would you feel comfortable sending that? And then if they still say no, then we'll say, all right, well, let's get the high-level details. I'll send that over to my acquisitions team. And then our president and CEO, Corey Woodruff, will give you a call.
1: Nice. That's awesome. I meant to ask you, what's the calling software, just in case the listener is looking to do the same thing? Mojo. Mojo. Okay. I've heard of that.
0: And I'm not tech savvy at all. You know, I tried to look at things like Podio and the integrations and those systems for me are tough. And I feel like Mojo is much more, you know, user friendly for people like me. So I'm more of a people person. So I'm not the best with softwares and all that.
1: I wanted to also hit on when you got the first park. You know, it's incredible. You know, you talked to the guy, he just wanted to sell the whole thing, seller financed it. Incredible, right? Uh, you know, you put 40000 down. And then, you know, what about, you know, how do you get the next deal? And I think you've, you know, you've talked through this a little bit or you're working, helping others to think through this. How do you get the next deal? Well, you don't have the money or, you know, it just seems kind of impossible for some. What was the next deal like or the next deal? How did you start funding those?
0: Basically, what I did is I went to the forums and I just posted on there very basic subject line. I just said, who's looking for deals? By that time, I had already kind of known that the, the shortcomings of the business is finding good deals. So I ended up linking up with my partner of my second park, And, you know, so that one there. I managed it, I got 30 percent, and I put in five grand on that deal, and we just sold it, and I you know, made a couple hundred grand off of it. And then once I got that one, I just started getting introduced to more and more people. So nowadays I have a, a group of seven investors. I only work with one investor on each park because more than anything, it dilutes my equity when you start bringing in more partners. So I only deal with one partner per park nowadays, but the deals is obviously the tough part, is finding the good deals to pitch to the investors.
1: Nice. So you have those investors who want to be in on one and, and then you, and you'll rotate through and have one at a time that's partnering. Now that's interesting. What about when you knew that it was time to hire this operations guy?
0: I knew it was time because I spent three days just doing operations stuff. And that was three weeks ago. And I was still catching up. So then I kind of started to think to myself, is saving money really worth it? So it's just a management the little stuff is is very tedious, but it's also very time consuming. And I also, you know, the investor's money is obviously most important. So, you know, I would rather lose 10 parks than lose one investor. That's just, you don't ever want that to happen. So I just know that, you know, as we grow, every park's going to be running at 75% if I'm doing it all by myself. Obviously, once we put a park in a contract, I go out and visit it that takes two days of my time, and then I'm playing catch up. So that will prove to be a wise decision, I believe.
1: For sure. No doubt about it. Corey, how do you prepare for a potential downturn?
0: I haven't had the experience of going through like an 08 crash or anything like that. But I do like to keep low leverage. And I like to keep a lot of cash reserves in the bank for things. So like when the pandemic hit this year, it was a little bit nerve wracking for me. But I knew that if everybody stopped paying and it lasted a few months. We still had cash saved up. So I like cash reserves and, the, and low leverage. I know a lot of people, they fix a park up and then you know refinance it and get their money back and, and all that. But I prefer if you're going to capitalize it, just sell it and move on to another one.
1: Okay. Is there a way that you calculate those reserves? I agree. Like cash, you know, in the bank or, you know, in your hand is so valuable when there, when I mean, anyway, but it's especially valuable as opposed to not having it when there's a problem, right? You know, when there's a, a downturn of some kind or, or, or whatever, you know, how do you
0: think through you know, how much do you need? Yeah, I like doing the three month rule. And it obviously depends on the park. So if it's a smaller park, then obviously you need more than that. But I like doing the three months of gross income rule. That seems, you know, hopefully it will be enough. Nice. That's the one benefit of having investors because like my Bay City Park, my first one, anytime something went wrong with that, I was taking my W-2 income and handing it to the park. And, you know, that was an experience for me for sure.
1: So Corey, I believe that, you know, anyone that's successful in business has a high level of self-discipline. How did you gain such a high level of self-discipline?
0: It's probably not the answer that you're looking for, but I just, you know, when growing up, I just remember my dad, he struggled, my mom struggled, my grandma struggled, my aunt struggled, and I just uh, once I got home from college, I just refused to live like that. So it's like you either wake up in the morning And, you know, put your shoes on and get ready to grind all day. And, you know, my number one thing is, you don't stop when you're tired. You stop when you're done. Now, some people would look at my life and say he's missing out a little bit on some key moments for his family and stuff. But, you know, my dad passed away when I was 21. And because we were not financially stable, we lost everything. So the answer to that question is I refuse to be poor.
1: Awesome. No, you've got that thing that's driving you. And it sounds like, you know, life experiences growing up, you know, cause you to just, you know, click, you know, like you say, I'm going to do something different. And congratulations. Well, what about some daily habits that you're disciplined about doing that have helped you achieve this success?
0: Yeah, I like to take the approach without a strong body, your mind gets weak without a strong mind, your money gets weak. So body, mind and money. So every day I wake up, I go to the gym. And then once I go to the gym, I go home, I eat, I spend time with my kids and my fiance. And then I go into the office. I don't do anything for an hour. I just use that to just kind of center myself and get ready for the day.
1: What's a way that you've recently improved your business that we could apply to our business?
0: Making sure that you have a rigorous schedule for yourself, which is a lot of times what people lack because if, when you own your own business, you kind of feel like you can do it as you go. But you have to be tougher on yourself than any other boss that you've ever worked for. And obviously, systems set up in place and making sure that every day you sit down and you set a schedule for all the things that you need to get done, but also save a little bit of time for the stuff that you didn't plan on, because that obviously is going to happen, right? So every day I write on my board exactly what I need to get done to be able to go home and say, I did a good job today.
1: Awesome. No, that's that's good. That's good stuff. What's your best source for meeting new investors right now?
0: You know, it's really just the forums at Facebook you know, I boast a lot on Facebook. When I put a park under contract, I put it on Facebook. When I go visit that park, I put that on Facebook and, uh, you know, people just naturally reach out. But like I said, I have seven, uh, about seven investors and every one of them does things a little bit different. So I have one guy that won't do well on septic. I have three others that will. So obviously when I find a well in septic deal, I just go to them, but I'm I'm really not seeking out new investors right now because they have everything I need, mainly just Facebook marketing.
1: What's the number one thing that's contributed to your success?
0: I I would say nothing more than mindset. Just keeping a strong mindset and understanding that things are going to go wrong, going to get stressed, and keeping a strong mindset. And then also, you know, there's been guys that have been in the business for ten years or twenty years, and they, you know, they have owned a thousand lots. And I just uh, I refuse to let somebody else set my pace. I think keeping a strong mindset and understanding what your goal is and doing everything in your power to get it.
1: And how do you like to give back?
0: You know, like I said, my family is, you know, low income. So I take good care of them.
1: Nice, so Corey, I'm grateful for just how you gave back to us today, and really just sharing your story, helping motivate us, and helping us to understand how important the mindset is. But how you went from you know working that full time job, getting there early by three hours, you know, I just want the listener to think about that. Are you willing to you know do the extraordinary things like that to to have extraordinary results? You know, like Corey has done, calling 500 people a week, like build that system so you can make that happen. Twenty million dollars in offers a week. Those are some great systems to strive for. And then just, you know, making that transition and now you're hiring people. Corey, congratulations again, just on your success. And tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you.
0: So our website is just about done. But right now, best way to contact me is Corey, C-O-R-E-Y at cmhcapitalinc.com.
1: Awesome, Corey. Great show. That's a wrap. Thank you very much.
0: All right. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Don't
1: go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter.